The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, eating the right foods can certainly make you feel better. It can also help your digestive system. Eva Miranda will help explain how you may be able to make things go down more smoothly. Plus, later we'll find out what's happening around town. First up, we're pleased to welcome licensed colon therapist Eva Miranda to the show. Eva is a passionate educator and speaker with an extensive background in maintaining digestive health problems with the natural way and as well as an educator for Renew Life. And we welcome her to the Mother's Market Radio Show. Hi. Well, hello there. And well, why don't you fill our audience a little bit in on your mission and your work before we get to the show's topic? I really like to educate people and make sure that they understand their digestive health to the point where they could use preventative measures to keep themselves from getting in trouble digestively. And that's very smart, and we like that. Today we're talking about our digestion, as you mentioned, and not very many people think about how our body works. But if we paid a little bit more attention to it, we could be a little bit better off. What are the most prevalent and the most expensive of all diseases? Digestive diseases are, and they are so vast and various between different people, and it's a shocker for me. I did not know that other than heart disease, digestive diseases are the most prevalent and most expensive of all diseases. So many people have to deal with heartburn, IBS, and constipation. And is this between men and women? Absolutely. Certain things are, I've found in colon therapy that women tend to have more of a propensity towards more so than men, but not, not necessarily. And that's very interesting. How many people do you think have digestive disorders in the United States? About 100 million people in the United States. And that's a lot. That's a drastic amount, a statistic of people, 100 million people. Yeah. Whoa. You had me at 100 million. (laughs) Whoa. Um, How many people would you say suffer from heartburn? From heartburn, 65 million people in the United States suffer, and that's heartburn every single day. Mm. And everybody knows somebody with heartburn, whether it's themselves, a friend, or a family member. And this is chronic heartburn where you feel a little bit of burning in your throat or in in your stomach after you eat, or sometimes that heartburn can develop into things called GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, or the worst part of that would be Barrett's esophagus, where the cells in your throat start to change, and that could cause certain cancers to form. So heartburn is something people want to manage for sure. If they're dealing with it, they want to not just just do nothing. They want to get a handle on it. Nobody's born with heartburn. We develop it. Just going to ask you that. Is it because we're born with it or is it because of what we're eating and we're training ourselves to not eat that way? Or For the most part, it's for with people over the age of 30, mm-hmm. everybody that, that ages starts to de- have enzymes declining in their stomach. So the hydrochloric acid in your stomach starts to decline after age 30. And that's what breaks down protein. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily for every single person that happens to, but 
typically people with heartburn that are 50 years and older, they don't produce enough stomach acid. And what happens is they end up on things like over-the-counter uh, proton pump inhibitors mm. that you probably have heard of, things like Nexium, Prilosec, and they can take these things to shut down the production of hydrochloric acid in their stomach, but when they do that, it causes other problems like not digesting proteins. And people could do a little test. It's very simple to find out if they produce too much stomach acid or too little stomach acid. And they would take a lemon, squeeze it on a tablespoon, and drink that lemon juice after they eat something that would normally cause them to have heartburn. See if that helps soothe the stomach. If it does, then those people are producing too little stomach acid, which would be the opposite of what you would think, right? Right. With that lemon, you would that yeah, with that acid, and then have what happens then if it's the opposite thing? So if they feel badly mm-hmm. where they have discomfort, then they are someone who use who produces too much stomach acid. Mm-hmm. So they would be like 10% of the population of people over 50 that pro- overproduce stomach acid. 90% of the people over 50 with heartburn produce too little stomach acid. Mm-hmm. They could do that little test, the lemon test, with also raw apple cider vinegar, either one on a tablespoon after they eat. Mm-hmm. And if it makes them feel better, they need an enzyme with hydrochloric acid. They need something to help them break down that protein. Otherwise, if they're not feeling good, they have discomfort, then they produce too much stomach acid, and then they could just take a digestive enzyme with nutraceuticals like glutamine, gamma risinol, that will help more for soothing when they're digest- trying to digest their food. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's good because, yeah, this is something that people can do at home. Um, how many people suffer from, uh, you, you mentioned IBS. What, first of all, what is IBS for people that don't know what IBS is? IBS is irritable bowel syndrome, and it's sort of a blanket diagnosis that a lot of people end up getting if, they, if the doctor doesn't really know how to diagnose them or they're just going off of symptoms. Some people have IBS diarrhea. Some people have IBS constipation. Mm-hmm. And the symptoms could be other things, but doctors usually say, oh, that's IBS, and then they don't look any further. And some things could trigger IBS, like an overgrowth of fungus and or stress is a trigger for IBS to occur. So really handling the root cause is ideal, but 58 million people in the United States have IBS. Oh my God. It's it's horrendous. It's a huge number, 58 million people. And that is one of the highest statistics. It's the leading cause of missed work other than the common cold. And people probably think it's the flu or something. And again, maybe it's a misdiagnosis. Yes, exactly. The common cold is the number one reason for missed work, but the number two reason is IBS. And so what are some other um, remedies for IBS? I mean, if it's a misdiagnosis, like uh, say, oh, yeah, it's just the flu, you know, here's, you know, pop a pill, whatever. What can you take for IBS? I guess it would um, it would be... You know, if the doctor just says, okay, IBS, but again, many different shades of IBS. Sure. I like to coach people on handling their emotional health because Uh typically with IBS, somebody has gone through a trauma, Mm. whether they've lost a loved one or a job or they lost 
just have a lot of stress in their life. What stress does is it robs the glutamine reserves in our gut. Mm. And glutamine is what keeps our mucosal lining in the gut together. And glutamine gets taken and put to areas of excitement. Like if you're stressed out and it's more in your brain, mm -hmm. then glutamine will be taken, the amino acid glutamine taken from the gut and placed into the brain. And then what happens is you become glutamine deficient in your gut, which could lead to leaky gut, which could also lead to I triggering IBS. Oh, that's a really, that's a really good way of putting it. So handling stress would be number one, whether it's yoga, prayer, tai chi, something that people know will calm them down, meditation, mm -hmm. something that will get them to handle their emotions first, and then you can go to food. Okay. But with IBS, there's usually an emotional trigger. I like that. Wow. Well, this is very interesting information, Evan. And uh, we'll thank right you. Now, we are going to take a quick break, but we will be right back because we have so much more to get to talking about our, our digestion. Uh, so stay with us. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click on the link for radio and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with colon therapist Eva Miranda. And we're talking about our digestion. So, Eva, how many people are affected by constipation? This is my favorite topic, Kim, because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very misunderstood thing. People think that you there's a cure for constipation. And I, as a child, didn't know that I was constipated. I had one movement a week. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, really? Yes. So if you imagine eating three meals a day and oh. only get getting rid of one of those meals, what is happening in your gut? Mm. And I was not overweight. I played sports. I didn't have certain symptoms you'd think you would have, like brain fog. Or this all ended up happening later in life. It caught up to me, where I ended up with asthma and the constipation was causing other things. So when you're constipated, you are creating the perfect breeding ground for parasites and fungus to fester in your body if you're exposed to certain things. Like I was mm -hmm. on and off of antibiotics from different 
bronchial problems that I was having. And when you get rid of all the bacteria in your system, then fungus can overgrow. Mm -hmm. And having a body where you're not eliminating your waste is the perfect way to keep that fungus growing. Let me ask you something. So when you... You didn't know any of this. Your parents didn't know this. And no. the doctors were looking at you kind of scratching your head. Or what were the, So those outward symptoms, did they take you to the doctor and say, I don't know what's wrong with Eva. Something's not right. For me, it manifested in my lungs. I had so many problems. Like when I would, got, when I would get sick, that it would go right into my lungs. Like mm. I'd catch a cold and it would become bronchitis immediately. Oh. And I would have a cough that wouldn't stop. And my parents would just take me to the doctor, and I would get put on antibiotics and cough medicine, and that was it. Eventually, it would run its course. But th- when I did a, a round of colon cleanses where I did three colonics in one week, it was a profound effect on my health. I was able to breathe without an inhaler, and I was able to not use the steroids that I was on. And the Chinese say that your your colon is the mother organ to your lungs. It might be vice versa, but when you clean out your colon, your lungs clear up. How long did that take, that process, for you to figure that out? As a child, I didn't know that it was happening, and I thought what you ate got absorbed and whatever came out came out whenever it wanted to. So it was from when I remember being constipated as a four-year-old and up as early as I can remember because it was painful to eliminate. So I would hold it. That was the other thing. Because when a person is constipated, it's dehydration. It's the number one reason for constipation is dehydration. And back in the 70s, nobody drank bottled water. Water wasn't even a popular thing. You drank soda. And I was highly dehydrated, not eliminating properly. It wasn't until I turned 19 when I realized, okay, I have problems, six cases of bronchial asthma in one year. Three times it became pneumonia. That's when the light bulb went on that I just need to do something about this. I was cleaning houses. I was also exposed to environmental toxins. So my lungs just felt like I was—I had an elephant sitting on my chest oh my goodness. until wow. I finally did colon cleansing and learning how to eat differently mm-hmm. so that I was having two or three bowel movements a day instead of one a week. Oh, wow. What an enlightening period of your life then. Yes, and 42 million Americans are constipated, and the number one reason is dehydration. Hmm. Well, I can imagine you want to get that word out and say, hey, you know, wake up, and this is what, you know, your life can change. And it's so interesting to think that constipation can be directly correlated to asthma or yes, pain, you know, and, and these these problems with young people, older people, and and you just don't think that that's correlated. Yes, digestive issues can cause things like eczema, psoriasis, weight gain, heart issues, joint problems, mood disorders. There's so many things that happen when your gut is out of balance. And out of balance could be constipated, it could be IBS, it could be heartburn, it could be Crohn's, colitis, leaky gut, gastritis, anything related to the digestive system that is not normal can cause things that you wouldn't even connect with your gut like weight gain. Um, how old can you be to get a colon, to get your colon clean? Or what is the youngest age? Youngest age 
I would say children really can't sit still if they're a certain age. The youngest person I've ever worked on was a child, a little boy who is nine years old. And I asked him, when do you have a bowel movement? He says, when I get home, I hold it because when I go to school, it's dirty in those bathrooms. So I hold it. And so from holding it, people get used to avoiding the urge. And then when the urge comes, they don't notice it. It's subtle or it doesn't come at all. And that's what can also create constipation is people that don't pay attention to the urge. They block it out. Maybe they're working on their feet all day, or it's just not in a comfortable setting where they feel comfortable. They can go to the bathroom without being paranoid. Some people get really paranoid about going in public places. I was one of them. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about what poor digestive health can lead to. Um, are there anything, any other areas that we didn't talk about? Because, um, yeah, that's broad, and it's amazing what it ties into. Yes. Like I said, poor digestive health can lead to chronic illness where things that you don't even connect to the skin allergies, eczema, psoriasis, allergies in general, or or heart problems, joint problems. And there's ways that you can detox your body twice a year. That's ideal to detox twice a year to keep your organs from accumulating toxins because when the colon is toxic, other organs can become toxic too. And we have exposure to environmental toxins Mm -hmm. from the air, the water, the food that we're eating. With food, if we're not digesting our food properly, it can become a toxin as well. Mm -hmm. Plus the types of foods we're eating, foods that are laden with preservatives, Mm -hmm. pesticides, that are that are exposed to or animals that are eating antibiotics or hormones also preservatives dyes in the foods these are all toxic to the body mm-hmm. yeah that's very true don't even think about we don't even think about that um, so let's talk about how we detoxify now that we have those are entered into our body so we detoxify first toxins come through our skin our lungs and our gut and all those toxins have to get processed through your liver and your liver is about the size of a football and it's underneath your right rib cage and that liver could be 70% damaged before you even notice a symptom Mm -hmm. of a problem and one way to check your liver is to just poke underneath your right rib cage and see if there's any tenderness if there's any tenderness I would go see a medical doctor quickly to just find out what the liver enzymes are they elevated is there anything going on with the liver so if you just push your fingers in there and find out is it tender and if it's not that's great but a lot of people deal with things like psoriasis or excuse me cirrhosis of the liver fatty liver things that are caused by an accumulated accumulation of toxins and so the liver has to process all the toxins that go into your body and then then they get processed processed out of your kidneys, your skin, your lungs, and your colon in a perfect world. But if they get handled through the liver and the liver's congested, then the toxins can get recirculated back into the bloodstream and become what's called a free radical. Mm, okay, I've heard that term before. Yes. Okay, so that's really, they're fighting what's, what those toxins are. Um, 
Now, I saw this written down in some notes of yours, um, but this has been very interesting to me, and I can't wait for you to talk about this. Sure. <laughs> the seven channels of elimination. Oh. This sounds so pure and clean, and I want to know. I've been dying for you to talk about the seven channels of elimination. Okay, great. Well, our body functions in two basic ways. We, we breathe in air. And we absorb, we breathe in air and absorb nutrients from what we're eating and breathing in, and we eliminate waste. Mm -hmm. Well, there's ways that your body detoxes. There's channels of elimination, and that is your liver, lungs, lymphatic system, your blood, colon, kidneys, and skin. All of those are called, are what we call the seven channels of elimination in colon therapy. When you study anatomy, those are the areas that detox channels of detoxification and major organs that detox. So you have you have the liver, the colon and the lungs and the kidneys and then you have axillary areas like the lymphatic system and the blood. Okay, so you're bringing it in and flushing it out. That's right. Okay. Oh, that made, you made it sound so easy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and you want to do things that address those areas, like take herbs, herbal detox, detoxification cleanses that help eliminate toxins from those seven channels of elimination. Um, going back to the very first question I asked you about, and that was the, the most prevalent and most expensive of all the diseases, which, which your answer happened to be about the digestive system. Mm-hmm. Who who do we go to when we go to see a doctor or uh, about our digestive system? I personally would like to refer people to medical doctors who are gastroenterologists who also know the nutritional aspect in the body as a whole. So that could be called functional medicine, a doctor who's also experienced with functional medicine or nutritional uh, nutritional medicine, if they have the information of both sides where they they can talk to you about food and nutrition and instead of just putting you on medications, there are doctors in California that do this. I've heard of uh, groups in Irvine and Santa Barbara and Santa Monica and in San Diego as well. I just would rather people go through both if they have seen a doctor who knows both if they're dealing with something severe. (gasps) They could start with colon therapy, and that's just going to be a gentle way of cleansing the colon with water, and they could also get referrals from their colon therapists. A lot of colon therapists know gastroenterologists who are savvy in both areas. And also, like earlier, you had mentioned uh, when we were talking specifically about the IBS, your um, um, about the the emotional side of when you talk to your doctor, but bringing in the emotional side of that too. Yes. Some doctors won't think about that. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to get a doctor who's really understood on the body as a whole, not just trying to prescribe what, what medications they've been taught to, to give you mm-hmm. that are just going to cover up a symptom and not necessarily handle the root cause. And especially dealing with women. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And even like on that movie, Along Came Polly, Ben Stiller, he had IBS. So it, it happens with men, too. It's just more so it seems to be more so with women. Mm-hmm. What kind of foods should people avoid to, you know, interrupt the digestive 
problems that would be problematic, I suppose, for their digestive system. If they're dealing with a severe digestive disorder like gastritis, Crohn's, colitis, mm -hmm. diverticulitis, colitis, ulcerative colitis, anything like that, I, or IBS, I would get them off of wheat, dairy, alcohol, sugar, tobacco for at least a month mm. to let their body and their digestive system rebuild and repair. And you can help the body rebuild and repair the digestive system by adding probiotics, oils, fish oils, fiber, and enzymes. And there's a great acronym, a tool that pe people can think of called HOPE, and it stands for High Fiber Oils, Probiotics, and Enzymes. That way you can think of the word HOPE and use it as a tool. Mm. And I also recommend glutamine. Number one, before everything else, before you go to the HOPE acronym, I would go to glutamine. And people could juice cabbage to get glutamine. There's also products that have glutamine in them. I like to go higher in the numbers, like 5,000 milligrams of L-glutamine with marshmallow. That helps with mucus. Cran mm -hmm. Cranes bill also helps work as an astringent and slippery elm, those kind of things, gamma risinol will help maintain a healthy inflammatory response. So a glutamine that's also comprehensive, not just taking glutamine, if you can help it, I would get a supplement that has all of that in it. <gasps> or juicing cabbage, if you don't want to buy a supplement, you could juice cabbage, it's just that it's a little bit bitter, so you have to doctor it up a little bit in juicing. <laughs> I've never heard of the marshmallow in there before, but that, that's really interesting. Uh, okay, that's great advice. Um, okay, yeah, but as I, I started to mention about the the numbers are are absolutely staggering uh, with this the digestive and and it seems like especially the older you get, you, we were talking about um, at thirty that seems to be a trigger age, doesn't it? Thirty is a trigger age for our enzyme production for sure. So thirty, you could say any anybody that's aging after thirty definitely wants to check their if they're having symptoms. Then you want to look at the acronym HOPE, and that, that will help at least get you started on basic things like fiber, mm. eating 35 milligrams of fiber a day in your food, ideally, and learning what foods contain more fiber, like a green bean compared to a kidney bean. Kidney beans have more fiber than green beans. So you choose higher fiber foods when you make a salad, and that way you could get up to the 35 grams a day. In other countries, in Africa, let's say, in Africa, a lot of people don't have colon cancer because they have such a high fiber diet. Mm -hmm. They get about 65 milligrams of fiber every day. And fiber is important for digestive health. Fish oils will help maintain a healthy inflammatory response. They also help with lubrication in case there's any kind of situation going on with constipation. Probiotics will re-inoculate good bacteria in the system. We recommend about 15 billion a day. Wow. And oils, we recommend 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams. And with enzymes, that should be enzymes should be taken with every meal and or you should eat foods that aren't that have enzymes in them, like foods that are lightly steamed or raw foods. But not only that, every, but not everybody should have the same exact diet. It all depends on where your body is and what's going on with your body. 
Excellent advice. Well, thank you very much for your time, Eva. And we look forward to having you on again. But in the meantime, you can catch more of Eva. And um, do check it out your Facebook page. Search Renew Life and find out all of the wonderful things she's involved with. We look forward to our next visit. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market Radio Show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.